Hello and welcome to the Flixborn podcast where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. Today we have Netflix 120th film. It's the 2018 Western anthology film The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It's directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, stars James Franco, Brendan Gleeson, Zoe Kazan, Liam Neeson, Tim Blake Nelson and a range of other people which I'm not going to read out. I am here with MJ. How are you? I'm really good, mate. How are you? Good, 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 good. We uh, we we'll put it out there. We've struggled a little bit to get uh, this episode, <laughs> this episode done. Uh, we've had a variety of uh, issues and, and problems. So uh, thanks for sticking with us, and hopefully uh, you'll be able to hear this very, very soon. I think this is the first time in our 120 odd episodes that we haven't released on the day that we normally release. We do one yeah. once a week, and we miss it this week. In fact, we did start recording it. And then my internet completely capitulated and we had to stop. So here we are. We're finally there. We're even trying to do it today. We've um, had multiple technical uh, issues. So, um, we're, we're it's always something different too. Yeah, it's good. All right, well, we start off with our fast clicks and do a quick summary. So go for that with us. Cool. So Ballad of Buster Scruggs is an anthology of Westerns that introduces interesting new characters with each story and explores a lot about life, death, and making a living in the Old West. From memory, when we tried to record this last time, I think I said I really liked that, so I, I like that again. You still like it? <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> um, yes, I do. I enjoy that because mine was uh, a bit shorter, and it's just that there's a collection of six short Western vignettes, so um, along the same lines, but uh, yes, obviously that idea of a Western is uh, what we've got going with this, this collection. Yeah, that's it. I think it's hard to argue with that. And I think it sums it up pretty well if you're trying to explain to someone what the hell this movie is about. Well, how about you explain to us how this film was put together and what we could discover about its uh, creation? Yeah, this is a bit more fun. Obviously, uh, the Coen brothers are pretty big names in Hollywood, so it's nice to stumble across uh, one of their films on our Netflix original podcast. But uh, from what I can gather, and I think this is up for dispute, these short stories that were written by them were written over a period of 20 to 25 years. Um, I don't think I can clarify that comment, but obviously there's six stories there. They might've started writing one about 20, 25 years ago and, and slowly added to it with this idea of having a Western themed anthology. Um, Cause it was in January, 2017 that they actually announced they were going to make this film uh, in collaboration with Annapurna television. And in August of that year, so about seven months later, uh, Netflix announced that they would stream it worldwide. So uh, from the outset, it seems like they ruled out traditional film studio funding, um, just recognising that the industry had to sort of shift a little bit more on how these smaller projects were financed. Um, Netflix likes to invest in these sort of films and a lot of, a lot of bigger studios are, are looking more at comic books or big established action franchises. Um, and then we see that. And then that's why something like Netflix works out so well. So they did have mixed feelings regarding the the distribution that Netflix has. So Ballad of Buster Scruggs did actually receive a uh, limited theatrical release. I think the Coen brothers would have liked a little bit longer, um, but that's Netflix's model. They released it a little bit, uh, or some films, a little bit theatrically and then straight to their service. Um, so they, they recognized that the idea of home video helped establish them and a lot of their films, but 
they also understand that the the hours and the days and the years that you spend struggling over every little detail of filmmaking is, is appreciated differently on a big screen. So it's interesting to see that candidness about someone having a movie basically for a streaming service only. So um, there are a few rumours about this actually trying to be a six-part television series, but that was knocked on the head pretty quickly, basically saying that they structured them in a way um, that the script wanted to flow in, in this way and tell these stories as one. So I found it interesting that Tim Blake Nelson, who plays Buster Scruggs in the first, uh, the first short story of this, actually received a script for this film in 2002 uh, and he was basically said, oh, we're going to make more short stories along with this one, but this is one that we're looking at. Uh, and then it wasn't until 2016 that he realised that the project's actually going to commence production. So not that he was sitting around waiting to play Buster Scruggs, but there's an idea of how long this was actually in the works for. So um, unsurprisingly, uh, watching this film, I was thinking this, but the, the shoot itself was really demanding. Um they had a lot of exterior shots with uncovered sets. There was really brutal weather. Um, and I think that the weather in, in the gal who got rattled, the one with the big wagon train, I kept watching this thing again, man, this would be a pain in the ass to shoot. So apparently it was especially challenging because there was a lot of difficulty coordinating the teams and the direction. And they had 14 wagons that were built from scratch in a New Mexico blacksmith shop. And then they had to ship them in pairs and flatbed trailers to the shooting location, which was in Nebraska. Um, so it's pretty brutal all up. And, and I could sort of see how that was that would be the case. Um, and then it gets to a point where, so Netflix doesn't disclose box office results. That's their thing. That's what they do. They don't have to talk about production costs or anything like that. But the Ballad of Buster Scruggs made six and a half grand on its first day. Uh, theatrically released in LA and New York. Uh, it was then estimated the film probably made about 36 grand in its opening weekend in America uh, for a four-day total of around 45,000. Had these actually been official results, it would have been uh, the lowest uh, release of a Coen Brothers film in their career, but completely different circumstances, so let's not even try and compare it. Um, there's a bit more there, but I've been talking a lot because there's a lot to talk about here, but uh, whatever. What, what can you add to the story? Not, not an awful lot because uh, you've done a, an excellent job there uh, in, in covering most stuff. I guess just tying back in with the Coen brothers, I think it's their first project that they shot digitally um, and it's also their longest uh, piece of film as well. Uh, I think was it was a bit over two, uh, two hours and 13 minutes. 132 like minutes, yeah. 132. Um, and I guess there's those six stories and, and two of them, the, the girl who got or the gal who got rattled, like you mentioned, and the all... Gold Canyon, which are based on um, stories by other people as well. So, um, yeah, I guess yeah, I haven't really got an awful lot else to add because I think you did an extensive job there. I, I did look at the, some translations of of where Ooh. this title sits, and I think I, I find this interesting because I'm, I know like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs is one of these six stories, so it's an interesting. It's obviously mm. the opening one, and you go with the title for that one. Um, yeah, I thought it's a, it's an interesting um, title, but in in Taiwan it was called the the story of the old Western bus, which was sure. uh, funny. And in Turkish it was called Wild West Tales, which I didn't mind. I thought that was a, a nice little um, little thing because they are a bunch of um, very uh, wild tales at times. It's very true. I, you know, something about the ballad. I love I love the term ballad, uh, and I'll probably talk about this uh, very soon. Because it just it just felt like there was this as a whole, 
it felt like a, almost like a poetry anthology um, with great characters, all very different, but it all kind of tied in. And, and that's why I really love the term ballad. Um, I, it almost annoyed me that the first story was called The Ballad of Buses mm-hmm. Drugs because I kind of liked it as a whole thing. But uh, yeah, the title actually really works well for me. Good. Um, yeah, the, I guess a the bit of box office info, um, it did play at the Venice Film Festival from memory and went on to play a couple of other film festivals before it hit Netflix in November of 2018. You've mentioned filmed in Nebraska, New Mexico, Colorado, uh, and it was nominated for a whole bunch of awards. I think it had 39 nominations and eight wins. I guess the, the biggest ones that you want to sort of look at are um, the 2019 Academy Awards. It had three noms for Best Original Song, uh, for When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs um, for Wings, which is from mm-hmm. the first one, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, um, and also nominated for Best Achievement in Costume Design and Best Adapted Screenplay. So um, to get three Oscar nominations is quite a quite an achievement. Yeah, and as you said, with Venice Film Festival, it, it, it won Best Screenplay at the Venice Film Festival and it was also nominated for the Golden Lion there. So uh, we don't get to talk about too many big awards uh, with our Netflix original podcast, but <laughs> this one uh, certainly bucked the trend a little bit. Yeah, dude. What about some uh, consensus as well? Yeah, this is this is a tick for a lot of boxes for Netflix. So it's a seven point three out of ten on IMDb, and it's a three point six out of five on Letterboxd. So basically, uh, basically parallel scores there. But it's got one hundred eighteen and a half thousand ratings on Letterboxd, and then nearly one hundred and twenty-eight and a half thousand. Sorry, one hundred eighteen and a half thousand on IMDb and 128,500 ratings on Letterboxd. So more ratings on Letterboxd. Lots and lots of people have seen this and rated this film and, and enjoyed this film. And I think I may have got the, the numbers a couple of days after you and it's, it, both of them have gone up quite quite a <laughs> bit in those days. That's awesome. Um, Letterboxd, when I looked, was a bit over 129,000. Um, so, you know, still getting some eyes uh, watching this one. That's brilliant. Rotten Tomatoes, very, very, very positive. Um, the critics had it at 90% on 226 reviews, so certified fresh. And the audience had it on 77% on about 3,500, so quite high on the audience rating for Rotten Tomatoes, which we often see is quite uh, quite low on some of these, these films that we look at. That's awesome. Early, yeah, it's, it's a nice change for us. Yeah, I think early thoughts time, time to, to get into what we're thinking. So hit us off. Love that we would do early thoughts. Remember, we didn't do it, and we kind of went through the whole podcast, and I could never quite tell whether you liked it or not, and vice versa. I love this because now I'm like, oh, what, what did Jesse think of it? So with me, uh, this was kind of right up my alley. It was it was such an enjoyable and entertaining watch. Uh, as I said, it felt like this kind of poetry anthology that had great characters that were all very different. They all had very different ambitions and all different purposes, but it all tied into this overarching exploration of the old west in in a real fun tongue-in-cheek kind of way so in a weird way it, it wasn't necessarily how you expect stories to be told um, yet every single finale seemed to just feel so right and so different and it, it just left me satisfied at the conclusion of every single story even the ones that I wasn't enjoying as much the final scene or the or the actual conclusion of it I was like oh that works and I didn't even see it coming so yeah this just did a lot right for me good 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 uh I, I agree with what you're saying and what I'm going to say, I hope it makes sense because it's, I'm, I don't even know, based on what you're saying, this, this might sound confusing, but 
Like sure. for a film like this that tells six different stories, it can be hard to keep people engaged the whole way through because you've got to constantly refresh and reset and be like, okay, I'll just spend a lot of start again, minutes yeah. with these characters, I'll start again sort of thing. And um, while we've got that connection of the West, to me, um, there are a few things that, that connect these stories, but thematically and, and narratively, um, I would have liked a bit more of a connection. I would have liked uh, something more that connected each of the six stories continuously throughout, um, just for an overall um, thematic sort of idea, other than just like this idea of the West and, and death almost, I guess. Um, but I, I, I did, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well made. Um, but yeah, that's just one little thing that sort of frustrated me early on. There were two things that I felt were really strong in that sense. And one was the idea of death and the idea of making a living and, and earning your ply. And if you look at every single story, it's all kind of there in, in very different ways. Um, so maybe it is a bit jarring if you are trying to cling onto a theme mm. and it's probably more in retrospect that you really notice what they're trying to say. What but yeah, it's, saying, a fair, yeah. it's a fair call. Yeah. Good. All right. This is uh, we're going to jump into our section where we talk about, usually talk about characters separately and scenes differently, but we might try and combine these all together a little bit because we've got six uh, separate little stories did you want to start us off with what you what you'd like to to discuss well how do you want to do it do you want to do it in chronological order or do you want me to do my favorite or my last favorite and build to one what do you i'm I'm happy to do the the count back if if that suits we can go um our least favorites and then move towards what our favorites were and then go that way and sort of jump in i like it so i'll start with my number my number six and then you can do your number six if it wasn't if it wasn't the same one i like it so the the one that i liked the least was uh called near algodones Uh, i guess you could say it's the one with james franco and the reason so like the james franco character uh who's called cowboy if you check on imdb it was just it was just kind of a nothing role um and you never, it never really dragged me in. I never really laughed when I think I was supposed to laugh. And I think it's probably the one where the ending, which was fine, was probably, it just didn't, didn't leave me feeling anything. Um, I did enjoy uh, the bank teller. I thought uh, he was very funny. I thought Stephen Root was, was well cast in that role. Um, but generally, there's not a heap that stands out for me in, in that story. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I agree with what you're saying there. That's mine's not that one for number six. So we might, I might talk a little bit. Oh, yeah, do I want to jump in where yeah. I've got that at now? Or yeah, yeah, do that, do that. I had it, I had it in number three. Um, okay, and I think uh, I think I liked the repetition in this one with that idea of you've got um, him in that position of being that noose again and again, and and just some of the, the like just towards the end, like you mentioned, there's this girl in a blue dress and just this big contrast and I guess I sort of found that a little bit comedic um whereas you may not have uh, I think I, I like the idea that someone's talking about almost do these, these consequences you have consequences for your actions and I felt that um you know often in western films you might not see the uh, the person who's created an issue or a problem face those consequences and this guy um while he was able to or the cowboy while he was able to escape once um you know it did finally came back and got him. So I didn't mind that one. Yeah. And look, I didn't dislike it. And I agree that like yeah. the final shot, yeah, I, I certainly did chuckle. I was like, huh, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I, I still think yeah, I still think you're bang on. Like I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, I didn't dislike it. Yeah, so now, now you can say what your number six was though when you when you good. Yeah, well, I reckon that the pacing for that one was was quite good too because any longer it would have um it would have been it was quick, ordinary. wasn't it? Yeah, very yeah. Quick. In six, I had um the mortal remains. So uh, I appreciated it. I got it. Um, you've got this idea about who these people in this sort of carriage are and they're like these bounty hunters and and they tell these stories to distract people and you could just work out like to me it was so obvious what that story was about what was happening um you know the people in the carriage slowly discovering who these people were and and you know are they in, you know they're worried themselves that they're a part of this sort of story um just the the dribble and the chat <laughs> that went on in this one sort of had me thinking what am I getting out of this dialogue? Um, <laughs> and apart from a couple of bits and pieces, like a lot of that dialogue just did not, did not do anything for me. That's interesting. So I, weirdly, I had that at number three. So our number sixes and number threes are the same. I, and, and that's great. I, I get what you're saying, why you didn't like it. Cause the reason that I did like it was cause I did enjoy the dialogue and I enjoyed the conversation in general. I enjoyed the conversation, but I love the, the shifts of power between all those people in the carriage. It, it, it was so clear for every little period, one person would just dominate the conversation, talk about themselves, have all this bravado to what they're saying. And then the next one would take the reins and the next one would take the reins. And by the end of it, they all just shrunk like violets um, when they realized who they were actually sitting with. And, and there was nothing to be afraid of. There was no reason for them to do that. And I love the way that the guys... The, the bounty hunters spoke so nonchalantly that there was a body on top and it was so casual. They just dragged it up. So it was, yeah, it, it, it wasn't groundbreaking, but I did enjoy, uh, I did enjoy, I, I love a thing where I can get something out of the conversation. I think there's a lot there about life and living and, and your choices that you make. And, and I think that was, uh, that's, that was a bit that stood out for me with that one. Yeah. I think the other, the other part about that one was, I think because it's the last one and, the previous five all had these huge, beautiful, um, you know, long shots of the environment mm. and the setting. And then this one, you've almost got this green screen background that looked quite um, quite fake uh, compared to the rest of the, the settings that we had. So I think that, yeah, just, it just felt a little bit off compared to the previous ones as well. For me. I think all the filmmakers needed to have a bit of a break with that one. Break. <laughs> yeah, completely fair. All right, what have you got in at five? Number five, I have... Meal Ticket, um, a.k.a. the one with Liam Neeson. I, I just, I was really bored by this story. Um, I, I understood what was going on and it was all well and good. But, man, I was so tickled by that ending. Like, uh, the whole time I was uh, getting not much out of it and I was like, I want this one to finish. But that ending was actually brilliant. I, I thought that was, uh, that was sensational. And it was so subtle the way they played it. Because you're kind of like, no, they're not going to do it. This is too obvious. He's, you know, throwing a rock down there. <laughs> he knows what's going to happen. Uh, and then the next scene, he's just gone. So I, I, I full marks to that ending. And that's what I mean. I loved all the endings of these, even when I wasn't that engrossed for, for the most of it. Yeah, I, I had that one at number two. Uh, I, Ooh. I, 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 I rated that one quite highly. I thought that um, it was just a good, a, a nice little narrative showing you the 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 troubles and the 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 lack of funds and um this sort of challenge or this this stepping towards poverty and having nothing and and the the dire situation that they were in the, the choices you have to make to to try and switch it up and change it. and obviously 
you mentioned that you've got this chicken um, sort of story that you mentioned, but you know, even before they, that he gets to the stage where he's like, I need something different to run my show. I need, you know, a chicken. You see him catching snow on their tongues. You've got these crowds that are sort of minimizing as it's going and but he's still able to pay to go to a brothel. So just just the yeah. priorities that in, in his choices and and obviously he was just using and abusing this guy for his for his stage presence on, on, on stage. And I really thought, like you mentioned at the conclusion, I thought that he was gonna eat the chicken. I, I, I thought that's what was gonna happen. And then there's gonna be a conflict about him eating the chicken. But yeah, for that river scene to, to play out, that really um, I was like, wow. Uh, that, that ending was great. It was, wasn't it? And what you said, everything you said there can almost be tied into most of the stories, that idea about making a quid and how you are going to make your next quid. Obviously, the two that we've spoken about uh, already, um, the the one with James Franco, his way was just robbing people. He literally tried to rob a bank and the mortal remains, we talk about them being bounty hunters, but then there's also the idea of the guy playing poker and then the wife who's got a, doctor or whatever he's asked like it's all about how to make money and, and you get a vibe that stories of the west really focus on where your next pay packet's going to come from less so than stories of today because people are a lot more structured in their jobs and the way they get their salary rah, rah, rah. so that's i think that's something that the coen brothers wanted to, to to buy into by theming them in this you know time and place yeah the I guess well, this is sort of talking about our like, themes and ideas, I guess, already a little bit earlier, but um, exactly the same running thing where you're talking about, you know, making the money. It's, a, it's like survival. Each of these situations about their ability to survive outside the safety, I guess, of, of their home location or their society. So each of, and like you mentioned, those three films, the three stories that we've seen so far, all three of them are, are in um, locations that aren't necessarily um, where they're set up or their home base, they're moving around or they're, um, being moved physically themselves so um yeah mm. good uh yeah. what are we at what number are we up to i'm gonna go my fifth Two. now don't i your fifth yeah i had uh the gal who got rattled at number five um it was too long for starters that one compared to the rest of them that one dragged for me um we had alice this girl meeting a boy you get these complaints about the dog and this guy falls in love with her it's quite obvious what was going to happen he proposes to her and I did enjoy the the conclusion though. I thought that the the end um, with the with the, this invading sort of uh, procedure of procession of um, horses and and you know making sure that there's a plan if they do get captured. And then I, I don't really want to. We haven't given a spoiler alert, but I guess if you're yeah. far in, it's pretty much most of these have been spoiled anyway. But uh, when he gets knocked off the horse and then goes back to the pit, I, I, I was like, wow, yeah, that was that was pretty cool on too. <laughs> I think you've summed that up exactly how I felt about it now. So I had the gal who had who got rattled number four. So um, it was my next one up anyway. I thought it was largely quite a dull story. It felt really slow. And it, it had me wanting them to arrive at the destination they were going to go to. I think they set up nicely that there was going to be this conflict with this bloke that they had to pay money to. Uh, and they were trying to work through that the whole time. Whereas that actually had nothing to do with the conclusion. And then similarly, I really liked that final scene with... Uh, with Mr. Arthur and the Indians, it was it was a somewhat clean and really satisfying ending for me, despite the fact that Alice shot herself. I, I liked the idea of the dog, which was just a recurring theme throughout the whole story. It would come back and the dog was all chirpy and happy at the end. And it was almost just like, uh, all right, back we go to the back we go to the line. I better tell this bloke that uh, that his fiance is dead, but 
you know what, this is business. I guess I'm going to keep my business partner for a little bit longer than I thought. <laughs> I, I liked it. It just worked. And then I like when they turn the page and I think like, because obviously between each story, there's the, the book and I think the line at the bottom is yeah. like, you know, he doesn't know how he's going to tell Mr. Knapp or Knapp or whatever his name was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Uh, all right, that was your fourth, so my fourth. Um, that was my fourth, yes. I had all Gold Canyon in at number four. Um, I thought it was beautiful. It was well shot. Um, the idea of nature, the idea of animals. Um, you've got a very clear uh, visual symbolism between black and white and good and bad. And um, just, yeah, I, I, I liked the conclusion. I liked the animals coming back and everything sort of returning to normal um, once our, our main protagonist walks off. So, I, there wasn't really a lot that happened in this except for some panning for gold. I look, mate. Old Gold Canyon was my number one. Um, oh, good. There was there was this peaceful positivity uh, to the whole story, and it was really summed up by obviously the old bloke. Just the way he would say, like, "Good night, Mister Pocket." The idea that he's not going to lose this gold and. Doesn't matter how long it takes him, he's comfortable and he's happy. Um, I loved it when he put the eggs back in the nest after he saw the owl, and he took one. But the idea that no, sorry, I don't want to disturb nature too much. You know, I, I'm one with nature. Um, and then I actually found it really poetic when the old man got shot, and then you heard the owl hooting and flying away, almost like they had formed this bond really nicely. Um, I love the fact that he named his donkey Lucky. It's just, you know, that's that's the mindset that this bloke's in the whole time. And I think I loved the symmetry of the fact that he walked back through the exact same trees, singing the exact same song, and then that exact same deer wandered back to the peacefulness of the river that he hadn't disturbed anything. Uh, it was beautiful. I, I, this was this was an absolute belter, and for me, it's the one that stands out. Nice. So um, what are we missing from you then? We need your third no. My number two. So, number two. Number two. What was your number two? Well, I'm assuming my number two has to be the only one we haven't spoken about, which therefore yeah, which would be, be your number one. My number one is, yes, <laughs> I think you've worked that out pretty well because I was still like, oh, what's good? <laughs> 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 yeah. It is the, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, um, the, the short story that the entire film is named on. It was, um, it was just a lovely little quick attention grabber uh, I thought Buster himself was exciting and engaging to watch. Um, singing that song at the start was just a really nice opening. I don't know why, but it was just really nice to start a movie. And then that first shootout when you uh, when you realize that Buster is actually a massive badass. Um, I, I kind of got a feeling that Buster was going to be a bigger part of this whole uh, this whole anthology, but it worked out really nicely <laughs> that when they killed him off, I was like, oh, this is fun as well. Let's see how we go. Yeah, set the tone. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the breaking of the fourth wall throughout this. I thought the songs throughout were hilarious. Um, just that one scene where he walks in and kicks the table and the guy shoots himself. I was, I was in hysterics. I thought, um, and then that song afterwards where he's, you know, not going to be able to gamble no more this Shirley <laughs> Joe dude. Oh, Shirley Joe dude. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, the, this idea of cockiness to you, he, he was such a cocky character. I just really thought that that, um, that on the screen of him was excellent. Um, yeah, I, I had that as the number one because I think it was a great start. I thought um, it set the tone really well, had me engaged straight away, and then I was ready and on board to continue, um, which is nice. Yeah, I, I, I share your thoughts exactly. 
Yeah. All right. Um, well, we don't really, do we need to say anything about the directors? Probably not. They are, they're pretty big directors. They're Academy Award winning directors. They, they've been around for a long time. They do a lot of great stuff. Yes. If, if you haven't heard of them, just check out Fargo, Big Lebowski, Hail Caesar, Hey Brother, We're Out Now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So check it out if you need to. Um, let's talk about some themes, some ideas, or are there any other characters or things that you wanted to discuss? Yeah, look, we, I really have gone heavy into themes already, but I think I love this idea of death that's explored in every story. The idea that it, it can be unexpected, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, obviously. It can be inevitable, which is the James Franco story. It can be escaped, which is the gold panning story. Uh, it can be avoided, which uh, I guess you could, the gal who got rattled probably didn't have to shoot herself. Uh, and it can be a part of us, just like the, the mortal remains. Like it, it, It's just a part of every single one of these stories, but it tells death in a different way. Um, and in film, we say it all the time, that death is covered again and again, particularly in Westerns. And I feel like this was just a fun way to do it all in one story. So um, I, I love that exploration of death. I think, yeah, I think you're spot on. The, the idea that I think all of these deaths too, they were, they were random, they were meaningless, and they were inevitable. They were... They were Death is inevitable. Um, it's going to happen. So, yeah, I think that uh, it did a really good job of looking at, at that as, through each story. Yeah, that's it. And 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 look in in all the ways that these ideas have changed over time. Obviously, this is based in historical time. You know how these stories of death and and making a living exist in this world and only in this world. It opens up a new way of storytelling. And as a movie lover, you know, is there anything better than being told a good story? And they've got these stories they want to tell, but they base it in a certain time because they can't tell them without basing it there. Uh, and I really appreciate that as well. Yeah. I, uh, you mentioned too about, you know, making a quid or making money and the yeah. idea of survival. And it sort of can tie into this idea of luck, um, both good and bad. Mm. A lot of these characters have some good luck go their way and, and, Obviously, there's at least one character in each one that had um, some bad luck as well. But yeah, I think, um, I, yeah, I, like I mentioned at the start, I would have enjoyed more than just this idea of death and survival. I don't know. I just wanted, this, I don't know. This, mm. I, I enjoyed it and I liked it, but I just wanted something else. I just wanted something else that connected everything. Uh, it's a risky role when you're doing a, a, an anthology, really. Like it's, it's yeah. got to be, there's got to be something like it's so hard to engage a character, sorry, to engage an audience with your characters that if you work so hard to do that and then 20 minutes passes and you've got to start mm. again, that's not easy to do. Mm. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, what did you take away from this one? I, I just found this so enjoyable. Um, like they just set up this really inviting and comforting tone straight away and then that weaved its way throughout the entire film. So despite the story shifts, this lightness that they created was always present and always welcome and I always felt comfortable just sitting in my lounge room watching this movie. So there's also some really fun performances in this as well. Obviously, we've got some big name characters um, and that always helps when you see a famous face pop on screen for a short period of time. But uh, I just think the, the thought and the effort and even the symmetry in all of this just made my heart smile. And when I think of it, I just want to dig a little bit deeper and I will definitely watch this film again. Good. Yeah, I'll repeat a few of the things you've mentioned. I guess the locations were great. Um, and I think that, and you've mentioned this too, the, the idea that you've got some short, they're almost short films, and you get that opportunity to get some big names on board where they don't have to commit mm -hmm. to a full shoot. They, they can commit to 
away for a couple of days and that enables you to have some high quality people um, in in your film, uh, which is a, is a good takeout. You could argue that Brendan Gleeson did one day. Like <laughs> that, that would have been really quick. And he had about 15 lines. <laughs> very, very true. Um, did you jump onto IMDb to check anyone out? I did twice. Um, first one was for... And I didn't really need to. I was pretty sure it was him. But Stephen Root, who played the blank, the bank teller in the James Franco story, uh, he's a guy from Dodgeball who wears the glasses and uh, and has the idea to make the Dodgeball team. Uh, he's also in Get Out. He's a guy that I won't spoil Get Out, but he is in Get Out. Uh, and he's in True Blood as well. So I've seen him in a lot of things. Uh, and I was pretty sure it was him, but he had a lot of like, he looked a bit funky. So I want to double yeah. check. But the big one that got me was in Meal Ticket. Harry Melling. So I so he played the he played the torso, I guess. <laughs> um, so my wife was watching the Queen's Gambit recently, and I, I I didn't realize this until I clicked on him, and I was like, oh, he's in the Queen's Gambit. Yeah, I think I saw that when I walked in. Um, but he he's Dudley Dursley in Harry Potter, and I mean, as soon as you know it, you see it. But he's uh he's lost a bit of weight. He's looking very different, and it was just a great surprise. I'm glad you, you said it because I, I probably wouldn't have said it. This is as much um, enthusiasm as you, but yeah, that was exactly what I had as well. <laughs> uh, so you didn't yeah, recognize him? No, nah, not at all. Um, yeah. I was just, yeah, but I, I thought, yeah, um, it's amazing, I guess. And I guess, you know, where there's a lot of those um, actors and actresses from those, that, that set of films of Harry Potter that we're all used to and mm. see lots and lots. So we recognize it quite easily. But um, yeah, I was. Crazy, yeah. it was a good one. I was, yeah, I couldn't put my finger on. I'm like, that's a face, I know that face, but bloody hell. And then I think I just saw this guy in the Queen's Gambit two days ago, it didn't even click that he was. Oh, so there you go. Well done. All right, questions is there anything you want to ask? Uh, yeah, I kind of almost touched on this before, but I never really did. But when we met Buster Scruggs, very beginning, and he talks to us, did you assume that this was going to be a catalog of stories? that he tells from his sort of past or at least did you think he was going to be some sort of narrator in some capacity? Yes. And I think that's, that's probably what I was mentioning. I, you know, I thought there'd be some connection somewhere. I guess that could be how you could do it as well. You'd have reading the, the title of each chapter as they turn the page in the book or something like that. That's what I was assuming too. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I was like, Oh, is he coming back? What's happening? Um, yeah. Good pickup. Yeah. It was, yeah, and then as soon as it went to the second story, I was like, is this like a story of him when he was younger? Uh, is this the guy that shot him? Like, I, I wasn't too sure, and then it took me a while to just, like, clean, break away from it and go, no, no, like, Buster Scruggs is done. We're finished with him. Yep, good. Anything else? I answered this question at the start. I don't know if you did, but what did you think of the overall film being called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs? Uh, yeah, I would have liked it to have been called something else. Uh, as much as I love that, and that was my favourite uh, little story, I would have preferred something something different to title in, um, like you know, death on a western or something. I don't know. That's rubbish. Anyway, but you know, something something yeah. that, that, that ties it. Yeah, on. maybe not. Maybe not as. But there's something but... there's something nice about it when you don't know anything about it. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs to me is like, oh, I'm I'm intrigued by that title. Um, before I watch the film and then you watch it and you're like, Oh, that's kind of awkward. Am I talking about the film or am I talking about the first story in the film? That's where it loses you a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Completely great. 
Um, the, we, I don't know if we touched the, the the last one, the people in the carriage. Were they going to become mm-hmm. victims themselves? I don't think so. I think I it think was so. the idea of fear and paranoia and, and what sort of level that plays on. I was hoping that they were. <laughs> just, just that idea of them, that door opening. I was like, ooh, maybe they are going to get done. That's funny. Um, so meal ticket, the one with Liam Neeson. That's mm. the only one where there's no on-screen violence. Did you pick up on that? No, I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't. The off-screen violence is pretty damning, though. Exactly. So you can do violence just as impactful without actually seeing it on the screen. So that was the, the point I was trying to make. But you know what? When you when you finish watching that story, like you almost laugh. I, I was almost like, oh my god, he did it! Like. If you had have watched him do it, you'd have, you, it would have had a completely different response. Uh, so I, I, I think I appreciate it, them doing that way. Definitely. I think, yeah, it's the, the right choice to do. Uh, this one's a random one. They're just your favourite little um, little story, the, the old gold canyon one. Um, we have this sort of like mini tourist attraction in uh, the outskirts of uh, our, our city called uh, Sovereign Hill. <laughs> have you ever found gold panning at Sovereign Hill? Mate, I have. Do I still have it in my room here? Uh, I might, yeah, here we go. MJ's uh, got up out of his seat and walked over <laughs> to the shelf. There we go, from Sovereign Hill. So there's the... It's like the tiniest speck of gold to the point where sometimes I can't even see it. And I used to wonder whether I actually got it. But yeah, I bought this when I was back in my primary school days. I pan for some gold and find the tiniest bit and then you could purchase like a little jar of water. I realize that this is a audio medium, but <laughs> thank you for commentating. <laughs> I did have one in my, in my desk right here. Uh, very good. Yeah. I, um, I, the amount of times I've been there and I was never successful. Um, and I did purchase one from the gift shop that had like a little dot in it, but I think I've recently uh, thrown that out because it actually means nothing if you didn't find it yourself. So there's some gold in the, yeah. the tip somewhere. I'll be honest, I can't see it right now, whatever. What else. <laughs> sometimes I, sometimes it goes missing. It's having a nap. It's melted. Um, it just dissolved into the water. Right. <laughs> Are we ready to wrap this up? I think so. Good. So at the end, we give a rating out of five for overall average. Finish us off. Yeah, look, I've kind of said it all, but this movie just drew me in from ball one and it just kept feeding me enough of what I liked to keep me going. So the episodic nature makes the runtime easier to swallow because it is long. Um, And then the quick introduction of new and interesting characters, which are often aided by those familiar faces, really help tell those stories. So I like the quick and abrupt endings to each each story. and the idea that not everyone's story has a big finale, but everyone's story is kind of worth telling uh, really resonated with me as well. So it's a comfortable four stars for me. Very nice. Very, very nice. Yeah, there's um, there's some vignettes in this that are obviously stronger than others, but even though the weaker ones, I still think they're all really well made um, and all have something in them that, that give you that shock or that little bit of a thing at the end of your life. Okay, I've- you know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about that. Um, and maybe I needed like a little interlude in between each one to sort of break it up or give me a little bit of space in between each story. Like the, the turning of the page wasn't enough. I needed more time to process um, what happened in each one. But yeah, um, sure. I think, um, you know, I'm, maybe that's the, the shock tactics are probably what I like the most about them and the, the, the deaths in each one. So yeah, I'm giving it a four as well. Beautiful. Give us a four. That was an easy one to work out. Um, <laughs> 
We are on social media. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, this week, I just wanted to ask, are Western films still relevant today? I mean, this is one of those genres that often clogged up the, the schedule, um, you know, decades ago, but we don't see a lot of them these days. So are they still a relevant genre? Yeah, I mean, obviously not to the level they were, but I think, was there an element of them being quick and easy to shoot? that made them churn them out so, so quickly. Um, but uh, I think the Coens have, you know, the, the, as I said, these stories couldn't really have been told in any other time in any other place. So that's why it's really important for them to base it in, you know, in the old West. So I don't think they're as relevant, but I think you could still tell a story. Yeah, I agree. Great. All right. Well, um, we're back again next week for, a 2018 psychological horror called Cam. It's directed by Daniel Goldhaber. It stars Madeline Brewer, Hatch Darragao, Malara Walters, Devin Drood, Amani Hakim, and Michael Dempsey. There we go. I love that you never look at the names beforehand and you're just like, I'm just going to roll with this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's great. I should prepare, but that's all right. I apologize for butchering. (laughs) I've done it once now, so next week it'll um, come off a bit nicer. Maybe. Good. All right. Well, thank you for catching up. And we finally got it done. The Ballad of Buster Trucks. Yeah, we did. We did. Ballad of Buster Trucks in the can. uh, And I'll chat to you next week. Sounds good.